Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the next episode of The Grind. I think this will be number four of year 2019. Is that right? Number yeah, four. number yeah. four episode, close to eighty now, huh? Yeah, yeah. So this is crazy, and uh, so yeah, two thousand nineteen's kicking off quite well. Yeah. And uh, I am Dave McClung, and with me, as always, is uh, but not for always. <laughs> <laughs> always one more time. Always, always one, one more time. time. <laughs> yes, my lovely uh, 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 Boo Winkle, uh, uh, <laughs> Buddy <Thank> Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Grigsby, so who is yeah. in, in mourning at the time we're recording this? Poor Tennessee just lost in the SEC championship game. So uh, the good news is, Dave, is we've been in black for more than a decade. So <laughs> yeah. you know the fact that we won a lot of games this year was actually plenty for our fan base. We're like, no, we're good. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Yeah. One yeah. game. Yeah, Rick Barnes is king right now. So even if they yeah. didn't didn't win the championship, so. yeah, it's kind of ironic not to get on a tangent here, but that Texas didn't make the tournament. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, best thing that ever happened to us was Texas firing Rick Barnes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Well, you know, Arkansas fans have moved on to baseball already. So uh, Omaha's. Uh, that's we go. right. That's right. And they're off to a good start. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, we are. Uh, uh, Chad and I are just going to kind of have a conversation today. And uh, if, if you have not heard by the time this airs, you will have heard. And uh, <laughs> Chad will be gone. Uh, so tell everybody kind of what you're doing and, and where you're heading. And because uh, this will be our last hoorah together on the grind. This is it, man. 80, 80 or so episodes together. And this is the last hurrah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my uh, my brother-in-law is Dean Folks. He planted in Columbus uh, about 15 years ago, and he's the Sin City missionary there uh, with the North American Mission Board and still pastor in the church he started. And so we uh, we started talking about uh, the potential of uh, of coming up there and joining the team, um, and in a in a church-based church planning catalyst role, which is kind of I think what NAM's doing some of with its catalyst positions mm-hmm. is putting them at strategic churches in strategic cities. And uh, so that's kind of what they're doing in Columbus, I guess, since I don't know this, but I'm guessing logically since Dean's, you know, kind of part time, they like to have a full time uh, catalyst there to work to work uh, with the with the part time guy. So, yeah. So one of their guys on their staff team is uh, is is stepping into a new new position. Uh, for him. And so that left the catalyst role open. And uh, so we're stepping into that and, and uh, <laughs> stepping, stepping into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stepping, stepping in that. I don't yeah. know which is the better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you'll find out once you get up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have I stepped in it or have I stepped yeah. into it? <laughs> that, those are two different things. Uh, they are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, um, be serving there and uh, working uh, as a team team member of the church 
helping facilitate church planning in Columbus. And then uh, a perk of the position is getting to be a teaching pastor at the church. They have uh, four campuses. And so getting to teach at the uh, Lewis Center campus and some of the others as well. Um, so that's, that's exciting. You know, the teaching aspect of, I think I missed that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, stepping out of the church, church plant we were in. And so that's the role as best as I understand it. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, I, you know, the, you know, the interesting thing, you know, about your transition from Compass Church to the state convention, you know, this has given you uh, a shift from uh, planting a church, boots on the ground, you know, to, uh, you know, denominational, organizational, 30,000 foot view, you know, yeah. kind of thing, which will translate very well, you know, once you get to Columbus. And so you've already kind of done some of that here in Arkansas. So, so that at least that won't be foreign to you. Nope. You guys, you guys had to beat all the bad habits out of me <laughs> and instill all the good qualities. If I have any good qualities, it's all because of the state conventions. So you guys did, you guys really, um, you guys have a lot of sunk cost invested into me but that someone else is going to benefit from. So I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we benefited from it. So, you know, we'll, we'll share. We're, we're not, uh, okay. we're not hoarders. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yep. Too bad. Uh, yeah. So yeah, c- kind of talk about some of that, you know, you, you, you help plant compass church, lead pastor there uh, for five years, six years, yeah, almost six. Yeah. So we yeah. started kind of engaging with core team in the fall of 09. Yeah. Yeah. And then we left fall of 15. So we almost made it six years. Yeah. yeah. And so you've been, you know, with us three and a half, uh, you know, moving to that, uh, you know, organizational view where you, you see multiple plants, multiple contexts, you know, all over the state. So, so what would you say, you know, your top three biggest changes, you know, that you've seen that have, you know, kind of occurred in you from planting in Batesville to working for the state convention and working with multiple planters. Yeah. So changes in me, uh, I, I would have to say when we planted compass, we didn't know what we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I didn't know what a, what a, church plant kind of a for lack of a better word an attractional church plant would mean for Batesville Uh, I didn't realize we would reach or attract so many churched people Mm -hmm. and so that was a surprise Mm -hmm. I think and so what I've come to see is that some church planting is revitalization I think Mm -hmm. and I think Compass reached a lot of people who are far from Jesus reached a lot of churched people who were not necessarily believers. And so in that way, I think it, it's, it's been a large revitalization uh, uh-huh. effort there. Yeah. And so I've kind of come to see the difference between church planting as revitalization, which I, you know, I wouldn't say is our primary. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong, but maybe mm-hmm. it's not best. Mm-hmm. And then church planting as kind of a missionary endeavor um, that's more focused on, uh, really reaching lost people where they are, mm-hmm. bringing them to Christ, and then gathering them into a congregation. I think we did the opposite. We kind of started with a congregation, sought to make disciples of who came, 
and then mobilize them to reach the lost. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of a big shift. I think I, I didn't realize um, that really what we were doing was revitalization. It's not what we even set out to do. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. But in a town like Batesville where there's a lot of churched people, um, yeah, I think, I think we were poised to in position to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe seeking to reach lost unchurched, but really not, not getting that, not getting a reach into the lost community as much as we'd like to. Yeah. Doesn't mean that people didn't come. I mean, people came to Christ. I mean, we had baptisms, you know, there'd be baptism services once a quarter, baptized six to 10 people. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there were years where baptizing a lot of folks. So when people weren't coming to Christ, it just was, like I said, more of a revitalization in my mind now. Yeah. I don't know, but you're outside looking in. You, you, you comment on that a little bit. You worked with Compass. You worked with us. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, grew up in a, a particular church environment that had particular ways of doing things. And, and some of those are, um, uh, elevating and some of those are limiting. And, you know, I think the, the older you get, particularly if you're, you know, if you're a reader, if you're a learner and you want to grow in, in ministry, you want to grow as a believer, grow as a disciple maker, you know, the, the more people you encounter, the more models you encounter, the more you find different ways of doing things. And in, in so many, you know, cultural systems across the state, there's, there's been a particular model of doing things. And anytime a new model comes in, it's intriguing to some people. And, and for some, it's very liberating and, and elevating. And they find a niche that they didn't, they didn't know what they didn't know. And, and for, for a lot of people, it, they need that catalyst to help them take the next step in their disciple journey. This opposite yeah, and, and I mean, there are whole networks that are basing their um, way of doing church planting, if you want to call it that, and ministry around going into communities and and starting fresh expressions of church. Yeah, for yeah. this reason, right? Exactly. And, and again, I, I don't think it's wrong. Right. I'm just not sure it's always best if that's your method of church planting. So right, right. maybe it's all good, you know, maybe it's all okay, but that's a big shift for me. I think having been in this role now and kind of seeing, you know, the difference we talk about it a lot, probably I talk about it too much, but the difference in starting a church versus starting a worship service, and, Yeah, you know, and what that looks like and what that means. So. Yeah. Well, those kind of models can be good for mobilization. They're not always good for evangelism. Uh, yeah. You know, so it could lead to evangelism, but doesn't necessarily start that way. So I'm going to have to take a time out. Okay. Restroom. (laughs) All right. So, so what's something else? Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, I would say, um, man, something that I've been, I think, uh, kind of awoken to is the need for replanting in the state. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my eyes have been really open. So I, I don't think you see that as a church planter as much, maybe some, mm-hmm. but when you step into the, the state level, 
and you start getting some opportunities to go into churches, whether you're supply preaching or, you know, doing an interim or something like that, you, you get to see church kind of at a state level. So rather than just seeing your church planter buddies or your network you're involved in, or even your local association, you get into actual churches uh, in communities, some that are struggling, some that are thriving, and you get to see kind of you compare and contrast. And I mean, obviously closing 35 churches last year mm-hmm. as a state convention, uh, kind of as the most I think ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just a growing trend. So I think I think um, that's been really eye opening. And man, I don't know. It just it's, and I I don't know if if this is a good way to say this. And you know, if we need to edit this, we can. But <laughs> what's hard is a lot of churches almost come across sometimes, and this isn't every church, but that they would rather die than change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And man, it's just been a challenge trying to say, okay, how do we yeah, I think our biggest challenge is how do we get to them early enough, soon enough to try to be helpful? Yeah. When their thought is if we just had more people, more money, and a good pastor, we'd be fine. Yeah. Is that too critical? Is that too harsh? I don't mean to be too harsh. <sighs> no. And it, that's it, a challenge. It it's is. A challenge. Well, and, and it goes back to a little bit to what we were talking about a while ago that one of the things that I tell church planners all the time, um, this is almost 11 years you know, of doing this now. and <clears throat> there a lot of guys have kind of a, a dream vision in mind, you know, what they want to see happen. They want to see disciples made. They want to see those disciples mobilized for mission and evangelism and, and all that stuff. And they've got some creative ways that they want to see that happen. <clears throat> the challenge is most of us have only been exposed to one way of doing and being the church in, mm-hmm. in our lives. And yeah. so even if people want something different, they don't know what different is. They don't know what it looks like. They don't right. know how to function in different. So it's, it's got to be modeled. It's got to be, you know, continually, you know, vision's got to continually be cast. It's got to, uh, you know, they've just got to be immersed in a, a new way of thinking about discipleship and mission. And, and, it's, and it's just hard to break out of what you've always known. You know, there's and it's and I don't think it's just because of nostalgia, you know, that people don't want to change. They they had a great love for the church that has meant so much to them. There's a a grieving process in that, yeah. you know, and, and all the questions of, well, if we change, do we lose our identity? You know, does this mean we failed? Does you know all of that stuff? Right, and, uh, and there's just a grieving process that comes with that. And uh, I, I think it's just it's just hard for people to to make a shift like that because it requires a lot uh, of emotional capital and spiritual capital as well to to do that. It does, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's just an anomaly right now that I don't that I think is really hard to think about. How do you not an anomaly, but a it's a it's a enigma maybe is a better word how do you how do you help how do you do help that helps and not help that hurts how do you get to churches sooner uh then when they say hey we're closing what you know what do we do now yeah yeah 
And but I'll tell you, man, I don't know if it's the economic downturn or whatever, but I think something in our state changed in '08 after the 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 crash or whatever. Because uh-huh. a lot of churches that I've seen, if you go back and look at kind of their annual church profile from like '08 to to 2018 that's where it kind of started to hit mm-hmm. and maybe maybe you call it the death of cultural christianity yeah you know the it's final death nail of cultural christianity where people yeah. are like look i'm not gonna just go as a cultural norm anymore and that finally came to arkansas so it yeah. took a while yeah maybe to come to us but uh i don't know i, I just see a trend that that over the last decade, that's when a lot of this has happened. I mean, we see that, right? 06 to 11, mm-hmm. we kind of averaged, what, 11 churches closing a year? Is that right? Yeah, 11, yep. And then jumps to 22 for the next five years. Yeah. You know, and then the last three years has been – so there there was, there really was something Yeah. that's taken place about a decade or so ago that, man, just started – started hitting a lot of our churches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's no question that our culture has changed. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I don't the, mean to say it's one thing, by the way. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know, cl- yeah. hurting communities, dying communities, all sorts of factors. So there are, yeah. But this is just something I'm, I'm just, it's been alarming to look at. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, the church used to have a, a very strong privileged place in a community. Um, I mean, it was, it was a, a central point in the community alongside a school or alongside, you know, a community organization or whatever, the church is a Bible place. And in most of our communities, that is not the case anymore. Uh, it's been pushed to the margins. Well, you, you have to think about being the church differently when you're on the margins versus when you're in the center. And, Gosh, that's true. and yeah. so that's a, that's a huge shift that's, and we see it in writers like Alan Hirsch and Brad Briscoe and, you know, uh, some of those guys that are, you know, Reggie McNeil, Hugh Halter, some of those guys that are saying, look, you know, JD Payne, uh, you know, we, we can't think like we've always thought we have to, sh- to make a shift and think more like missionaries. And, I, you know, it's been interesting talking to a couple of missionaries who's come back, who have come back from the field and have found an openness here in the U S to having conversations about Jesus. Mm. Um, there, there's a willingness and an interest and an openness to having conversations about Jesus, but it's hard to get them to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Mm. Um, the, the resistance is not as much as we think it is to having, you know, evangelistic conversations. Um, mm. It's just the, the commitments that, that follow are very difficult. And, uh, and so it's just, we've just got to come up with a different, different way of there's believers in culture. There's more cultural barriers to the gospel for the average American these days than there yep. used to be. There, there are. Yep. You know, where, where maybe some had one or two barriers to the gospel, you know, it's easy to kind of cross maybe one. Mm-hmm and share the gospel and then come to Christ. But when you're having to cross one, two, three, and I mean, you know, I don't know. I feel like we're not sharing the gospel as regularly. So Mm -hmm. if you have less people sharing the gospel and more barriers to cross to get the gospel to people, Mm -hmm. that's not a good combination. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, uh, And, you know, but even in our neighborhood, we found that to be the case. People are very, 
they're not they're not rejecting Jesus. Um, I think they're rejecting some parts of Christianity in America, whatever yeah. you want to you know, church or whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, we found people being open uh, in our neighborhood to conversations. So, but it is it is hard. I remember talking to one of our neighbors, you know, having ten Jesus conversations with him. And I mean, his life's a wreck, man. Like yeah. his, his life is falling apart. I mean, his divorce is no longer intact. And I mean, his marriage, he got divorced. No long marriage, no longer <laughs> intact. <laughs> That'd yeah. be great if his divorce, <laughs> yeah. but his marriage is no longer intact. I mean, in all this, we were having all these conversations before even that, that went down and still like knowing he needs something in his life, knowing that things are not going well. Yeah you know, knowing that things are falling apart and still just a resistance to Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's been uh, read two or three books here lately, you know, talking about recapturing the good news aspect of the gospel, mm-hmm. that, that the, the gospel is good news to us. And for a lot of our culture, the, their perceptions of the church have tainted the good news of the gospel whether they're real or not, uh, you know, perception is reality until proven different. And, uh, uh, and it's, and it's tainted their view of the viability of the gospel as good news. Hey, I know I need something. I just don't think Jesus is the answer. I can't see it. I, I, you know, I don't know how, how Jesus would be the answer. And, uh, those are tough, tough environments. They're, they're, they're long walks as, uh, you know, Eugene Peterson say it's a long walk in the same direction, uh, a long obedience in the same direction. You you got to continually model. They have to see it uh, as a viable option, uh, which means they have to see it in us. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're the examples. You know, it's interesting because for the culture to see the gospel is good news, it's got to be good news to us. And you know, <laughs> yeah, I I. I uh, you know, preaching around the state, there's a one part of a sermon where I say, you know, everything I filtered as a Christian growing up was do more, try harder. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like I had this backpack full or long list of to do's and I was putting them in a backpack. So I'd hear a sermon on prayer and put it in my Christian backpack. Mm-hmm. You got to pray better, you know, or if you've ever seen, you know, backpacks, one way to think about it or the spinning plate guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he starts spinning all the plates and, so I'd spend my prayer plate, my Bible reading plate, my missions plate, my generosity plate, my forgiveness plate, and then all these plates spinning. But sooner or later, you're going to get so many plates, you can't maintain it anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or what I would say is you, you put all these things in your backpack, and before you know it, you're face down on the floor. And when I preach this sermon, I actually get down on the floor. I don't get invited back when I preach this sermon. <laughs> yeah. But I say, you know, and then I, and then I say, this is the abundant Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Flat on, our, flat on our face, way down with all the stuff we're supposed to do. But now I think that's part of it is we don't understand. Yeah. Christianity is good news. Yeah. And so we have all these people doing more, trying harder. And so who wants to invite somebody into that kind of life? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, they're sense? already spending enough plates oh as it gosh. is in our busy like, culture. You know, so who, who, who wants to share that with somebody? Hey, come weigh yourself down with all this stuff you're supposed to be doing to be, to get God to love you. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, so yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's hard to get people to share the good news when they haven't experienced it themselves. Yeah, yeah. But I do think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, you know, you know, my one of the reasons that I do church planting is is because you know I'm I'm just I'm just not okay with there not being an answer, you know, to to our cultural shifts. You know that the the gospel is good news. Uh, maybe we've got to figure out a different way to communicate it and share it, not compromise it, water it down, none of that garbage. Uh, but uh, to to communicate it in a way, it, it's it's speaking a different language right now. I mean, people are looking at us and they're not comprehending what we're saying. Okay, we've got to learn a way, a different language, learn a different way to communicate this uh, that that captures the 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 heart of the people with the, the nature of Jesus, who he is. And, and yeah. so I, I just, there's, there's a way, I mean, God speaks in every culture and context. And right now it's just, just people aren't hearing in, in the West. You know, it's, well, it's well, and see, there, the East. there begins to be a conversation too, about the need for more churches that yeah. are able to preach the gospel and, and preach Jesus. Mm-hmm. In a, in a in a fresh way, to to a culture that's progressively post Christian. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think that's why, you know, we would try to plant churches in areas where there are already churches, not because we want to be a criticism against those churches, but to say, hey, look, if there's a community of fifteen thousand people. And 150 are going to one SBC church. Mm-hmm. Do we want to encourage the ministry of that church? Yes. But are there also 13,500 people? Or that, that's not even good math. 14,850 <laughs> 14, people. There we go. In that community who aren't being reached or who aren't attending that a Southern Baptist church. So I think you know, that's where we would say, Man, we need a ch- church to reach the, that community. Yeah, yeah. To be, to to not be a opposing voice to the churches already there, but to be another voice to the community there. That, yeah, that says we're in this together to reach these people. So yeah, yeah. Well, well, and you know, and on average, I'm really anxious to see what the 2020 census data comes up with. Because uh, there was, I believe, if I remember right, from 2000 to 2010, when the 2010 census data came out, uh, there was a 15% increase in the number of people who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. Um, so that's, that's and, and some of those people would have before, whether they did anything with it or not, they would have at least claimed something. So I think that's right. an indication that there right. are more unbelieving people but there are also people who used to say they were something that now they're being honest and say and really saying that they're not and so and and i think that's only going to go up in 2020 so yeah surely uh, we haven't gained ground on that right yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i wish we had you know on average in arkansas at least at at minimum on average across the state it's about 50 percent of the community has no religious affiliation whatsoever any given community in arkansas some places it's worse some places a little bit better um but those are still people that claim something that often you know are aren't anything many Mm -hmm. many who are believers but many who claim but but aren't 
And yeah. so that trend is not going to, you know, I, I have, I have strong doubts that that trend will <laughs> lessen. Yeah. And, know, and about, I think about statistically, and you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but it, church attendance, average church attendance, we're about 5% of communities. Mm-hmm. Yep. And man, that needs to at least be 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And so doubling our reach into every community in Arkansas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man, even if we did have revi- a, a movement of revitalization. Yeah. To move the needle that far. Yeah. It takes revitalization and church planting. It's like Neil Cole says, Jesus likes to raise up things that need new life and he likes to see new birth happen. So yeah, I think it's a both and I think it's a, a partnership. I think it's an encouraging churches and planting new ones. Yeah. Um, I yeah, don't know I, if we, I don't know if we've wandered off the path, but no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, these are all things, you know, we're seeing and, uh, right. you know, right. I, I love Andy Addis's statement that with every church and campus they plant, they want to see that uh, church tie the community at least reach 10% of their community. If they can reach 10% of the community, then, then they feel like that's been a worthwhile investment. And, you know, if you're in a community of 400 and you reach 40, that's, that's a success. You you've tied that community. If you're in a, you know, community of 70,000, you know, that's a little more daunting of a task and it, and it will require a greater system of organization to be able to pull that off. You know, you're not going to deal with one church. No, you're not going to. You know, yeah. it's like Oasis and Little Rock. They went from one church to four, and they've tripled their attendance. Yeah, they have. Yeah, because it's you know to, to tie their communities, they're going to have to be have a multiplication mindset. Yeah, know? yeah, so that's what we're talking about. More churches, you know, yeah, more churches strengthened, more churches replanted, more churches planted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, uh, you know, what are you most excited about you know, as you make the move to, to Columbus and uh, get started? Uh, in, in well, that role? first of all, let's talk about what I'm sad about. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, we, we had a great chapter one weekend with some new planters this weekend. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to definitely miss that. Miss, you know, Tim, Tim and you and y'all's leadership and Willie. I mean, being a part of the team has been one of the funnest things I've ever gotten to do in my life. So it's been amazing. I, 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 I haven't been, I've been sad, but I haven't been emotional about it this week. <laughs> this weekend I was like, I'm not crying. You're crying. Like yeah. I'm in a glass case of emotion a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, but I am excited about, about the opportunity to preach and teach on a regular basis. I mean, mm. that, that's, that's not the primary role, but that's the primary thing I'm excited about. Yeah. Uh, I just have missed kind of regular opportunities to preach and teach and getting that opportunity with, with the same group of people mm-hmm. on a regular basis. You know, you're doing an interim right now. It, yeah. it is different. That's it not is. to mean it's not needed that we supply and pop in and pop out and consult yeah. or whatever. That's fine. But I do think for me, I, I underestimated the excitement that I miss in preaching regularly. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about, um, you know, a community or a city being in a city and, and mm-hmm. being able to focus 
I mean, it's crazy. Columbus Metro's like two million, which mm-hmm. is one million shy of all of Arkansas. So it's definitely right. a, a shift in population and stuff. So it's it's not that few, you know, uh, not that many less people, comparatively speaking. Yeah. But it is in a more concentrated area. Right. Right. So I think that's kind of an exciting uh, opportunity to be involved. Um, in reaching a city and partnering in a city and, and kind of that close geographical area. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's some similarities with working with church planters, um, that I'll still enjoy. That's exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a lot, a lot to be excited about, a lot to be sad about. I mean, yeah. a, third, a third of my life has been spent in Arkansas. So yeah. yeah, I'm not from here, but I've spent a chunk of my life here and uh leaving the friends connections uh, and relationships will definitely not be easy yeah well i tell you you know one of the things we've seen you know over the last you know several years is a and kind of stuck out again to me this last weekend at the time we're recording this we just finished uh, what we call chapter one weekend training which is kind of our introduction uh, to church planting in Arkansas, introduction to ABSC, you know, getting planters together to, uh, you know, to meet one another and, and realize that they're not alone in this journey, you know, kind of deal. And, and over the last several years, those weekends have grown increasingly more diverse ethnically, socioeconomically, methodologically, you, you know, all, all of that stuff. And, we had eight uh, planters there this weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and it's just you know we've got our first Hindi church you know getting ready to plant, uh, going after you know the Indian population in Little Rock. Uh, you know one family you know really has a heart for families with disabilities. You know and creating space for them to grow and and be cared for and worship and and be on mission you know as well and that's a that's a unique environment a unique vision that is often very overlooked yes in our communities it's hard i mean it's just it's hard Mm -hmm. and uh and so you know that that's been happening increasingly in the last few years in arkansas it's been an incredible trend in a city like columbus uh they'll probably be even more magnified you know, you're in a concentrated yeah. area. The diversity of the population there is going to be even more so than it would be here in the South, I imagine. And so, yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, there was a stat the other day. I hate to misquote it, but I think Nam put out all these videos for the Sin Cities, and I watched the one on Columbus. Something like 40,000 Somalis or something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just some numbers like that that are just a bit mind blowing and yeah. Arkansas has a lot, a lot of internationals too. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just the quantity of folks in a city, you know, yeah. is just so gosh, it's just mind blowing. So yeah, I don't know, man, it seems like a pretty big task, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's just been, it's been amazing to be, uh, to be a part. I feel like, um, you know, this, this role that I've served, served in, in in Arkansas has been great uh preparation to step into something like this again <laughs> step yeah. into something like this yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think you guys the investment that Arkansas has made in me 
both as a church planter and as a strategist is uh is something that uh that's that's been amazing so. well you won't be going into that row blindly like you did coming into the abs <laughs> role. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, uh, I don't know if it was everything you thought it would be or hoped, be, <laughs> but uh, everything and more, Dave. Yeah, everything absolutely, absolutely. You know, so uh, uh, but you know, I, I I certainly think you know. I think you're right. You know, this is this has been good preparation for a role like that, and and yeah. and you'll walk in with eyes wide open and with a greater. I think a greater perspective than somebody that hasn't had that experience, you know, before, because it is a very different experience, you know, working in a denominational organization, you know, with a broad, you know, 30,000 foot view. And, you know, the great thing about church planning is we don't just have the 30,000 foot view, but we really get to kind of get down boots on the ground with planters for at least a year or two, you know, as they're starting. And so that's kind of a unique role that we have in the denomination, a unique aspect of that, that not everybody else gets to see. But, uh, but it is, I mean, it is, we're not planting the churches, you know, we're, we're the ones coming alongside and resourcing and it's a very different, uh, different kind of mode of operation and a different yeah. set of metrics. You, know, you got to find success in different ways than when you're pastoring or planting. And that's right. And so, uh, so that that'd be good. You're you're going in with experience. You're the veteran now. And oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but I don't have any excuses, you know. Right, you exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, Arkansas so, invested a lot in me, so. So step into it, not in it. Step step when into you, it. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what we've learned here, folks. Stepping into it, not stepping into not it. In it. In it is that's really right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those those prepositions are very important there. Goodness. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we love you. We're going to miss you guys, you and Jessica and, and uh, kiddos. And uh, so. Uh, yeah, if you listen real hard, you can hear one of my kiddos out, out front of the door right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's time to get dad's attention. Yeah. yeah um, man, I love you guys too. I do. It's been you know, that's, that's the cool thing I think about making this transition is, uh, you know, stepping in, in, <laughs> can't, can't quit saying that, <laughs> but transitioning in, into an opportunity that's exciting. That's, I think, you know, a good fit for us and our family and, and how God's wired me, not running away from something, you yeah. know, uh, you, you and Tim have been amazing bosses i know you don't you would say you're not a boss for anybody because you know i always ask dave when i need anything because dave says i don't care and uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i never call tim tim, <laughs> tim will say no. no no i'm kidding but but just working with you guys and working with willie and and i mean it's been amazing uh so that's the good thing is you know I, I can I can leave on good terms. I hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we're, we're not excited uh, about you going. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and being an extension, you know, maybe of the ministry, we got some churches. I mean, Grand Avenue is a lead partner with Columbus. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe just an extension of the work that God's doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's good Arkansas ties there, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's one of the things I love about Arkansas is we've got good connections with the vast majority of those sin cities. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got, you know, not just strong, you know, Arkansas guys in those cities, but uh, just had good partnerships with, with other guys in those cities. And so uh, that's, that's just always fun for me. And uh, uh, just strengthening that connection now with, with Columbus, which is a city I, I like. It's a cool city. And yeah. uh, we're going to have to yeah. get back up there. But uh, Come on up. All right. Well, uh, in way of transition, we will not be shutting down the grind. Uh, if uh, don't don't hear that in this, Chad will be stepping away, moving to Columbus, and and we'll have him back on periodically to give us updates and, <laughs> and just to chime in and say something dumb. You and, know, Dave. Some would say that the grind is not going away; it's being upgraded. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Addition by subtraction, if you will. That's right. That's right. So we have a new co-host coming up, and uh, it's somebody that, uh, uh, if you've listened to the grind for any length of time, you will have heard him uh, in, in the past. And uh, so our new co-host, uh, I can't, I can't. I was preaching yesterday. I couldn't talk yesterday for nothing. <laughs> About the first five minutes of my message was just gibberish because my tongue was too fat and my mouth was too small. And uh, that, that should probably happen more often. You keep uh, stepping in it. Uh, yeah, gosh, <laughs> so, terrible. Anyway, our new co-host for The Grind is going to be... So there you have it. Uh, hopefully you'll stay tuned in with us. And enjoy uh, the future episodes of The Grind. We're going to have a blast, uh, like we always do, and talk about some some great church planning stuff along the way. And so, yep. Chad, man, buddy Chad, Boo Winkle, uh-huh. uh, we, uh, we're going to miss you. And, hey, all you guys out there, you keep grinding, right? That's right. That's come to about, Columbus so. and help grind up there, I guess. <laughs> come to Columbus yeah. and step in it with us. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's going to oh, be your man. new motto. I know, I know. Come to Columbus I, and step in it. Boo Winkle was my claim to fame. I think I, this is worse. So I couldn't <laughs> get right. one more episode without saying something stupid. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> we are going to have an outtakes section of this podcast. So once we sign okay. off, don't quit listening. We've got some fond memories of Chad. We're going to show. Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> as outtakes, and so uh, laugh along with us, cry along with us, and uh, and we'll see you next time on the grind. You didn't say keep grinding. Well, I did earlier. Well, I figured you wanted to have the last word. Keep grinding. <laughs> <laughs> Adios, folks. See you next time. When you look up hopes and dreams in the dictionary. There's a picture of Doug Hickson. That's, That's what right. I found. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so standing shirtless in the snow in South, Car- in South Dakota. Not South Carolina, South Dakota. There's an image for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, we, let's get this back on track. We are the upward board. basketball of podcasts. <laughs> we, give, we give trophies to everybody. <laughs> I don't even know how you save that. I don't, there's, I don't, there's no way. And so, uh, (laughs) all right. Well, back on track here after that derailment.
I'm Dave McClung. With me is, uh, I'm bringing it back, folks, the illustrious Chad Grigsby. Uh, Dave, I am your Rocky to your Booinkle. <laughs> <laughs> to my Booinkle? Booinkle. Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's my pop culture reference gone wrong. Rocky to my oh. bull, <laughs> Booinkle. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You will forever and it's worth be known as Boo Winkle to me. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was horrible. And, uh, you know, I had You've got to keep that. You have to keep that in there. Yeah, yeah, no one asked you, George. Yes, no one asked you. Yes, we do. Oh. Yes, we do. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Well, uh, I, does, does that make George. <laughs> Should I call him Natisha instead of Natasha. Natasha or Boris instead of Boris? Oh, man, I just had a I just had a brain fart. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bullwinkle. Boo-winkle. Boo-winkle. Oh my goodness. 